Turn with me in God's Word to the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 14 is found on page 1171 of the Pew Bible. slowly making our way through Mark's gospel. We're reaching a new part of Mark's gospel, finishing uh, chapter 13 last time, and this is a new section we're moving into, known as the Passion. So let's read God's Word. Mark chapter 14, we're going to read verses 1 to 11. Listen. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to to betray him to them. And when they heard it, They were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Well, what does devotion look like to you? The rule in the UK is that to demonstrate devotion for a couple who recently got engaged is for the guy who's buying the girl an engagement ring was that you have to buy an engagement ring that is worth about one month off your salary. I believe in the U.S. the ring is to be worth two months off your salary. So Heather unfortunately missed out on that. Well, in our passage, we see an example of devotion to Christ In typical Mark fashion, we have one of his Markin sandwiches. Notice the structure of the verses here. You have the chief priests and the scribes as the first layer, the woman with the jar of perfume as the middle layer, and then Judas Iscariot as the third layer. And Mark does this intentionally. He wants you to see the contrast in view. In between scheming and betrayal, you have this act of devotion. And so children, I encourage you to draw a picture of this woman with her bottle of perfume. And this woman is a challenge to each one of us this morning. And so I want you to notice, you are to be devoted to Christ. 
not to this world, for Christ is devoted to you. So firstly, you're not to be devoted to religion, verses 1 and 2. You're not to be devoted to religion. Now this text, some explaining, when I speak of religion here, I'm not, I am referring to a system of ritual and tradition when you can go through the motions and so appear very religious and yet your heart is not set on the one that you're worshiping. Instead, your heart is focused on yourself. And we see that in the lives of the chief priests and the scribes. These were deeply religious men, very committed to their law-keeping, to their rituals, and yet they were also very committed to their hatred to Jesus Christ. This is now the fourth time in Mark's gospel that we hear of the religious leader's intention uh, to kill Jesus. And just notice it's in your outline. After Jesus healed on the Sabbath, we can read in Mark chapter 3, then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. After Jesus cleansed the temple, in Mark 11 we read, and the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And then again in chapter 12, after Jesus described these religious leaders as the wicked tenants who had rejected the prophets, who had rejected him as the Son of God. We read in verse 12, And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. And so these religious leaders, they are scheming, they are conniving as to how they will do it and when they will do it. And we know when they don't want to do it, they don't want to kill Jesus during the feast, during the Passover. This is now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so the city of Jerusalem would have been swollen in its population. All the pilgrims were present in the city for this festival. And Jesus is very popular with the people. And so the religious leaders, they're afraid of the people. And so they don't want to kill Jesus during the feast. They don't want an uproar on their hands. Well, as we all know, Jesus did die at the feast of the Passover, and it shows how little control these religious leaders had. But it was fear of the people that controlled these religious leaders. And that's why they sought to do it by trickery, in other versions, by stealth. They wanted a secret way to get rid of Jesus so they wouldn't be blamed by the people. John Chrysostom comments on these Pharisees saying, they never were afraid of the judgment of God, but only the judgment of the people. Well, why is there such hatred? Why do they want to kill Jesus? Well, Jesus threatened their way of life. He was undermining their authority before the people. If the people no longer respected them, well, then they would lose their privileged position. And so it was this status that they were depending on to be right with God. But Jesus, rather than commend them for it, he condemns them for it. He calls them hypocrites. Yes, they may do all these things, but their hearts were far from God. They were not engaged. They did not love God, 
And that's clearly seen in that they don't love Jesus Christ. If they love God, they would love his son. But these men who prided themselves in their knowledge of God, they did not know God's son. Now, at the moment, Heather is getting all these comments of how Natalia looks exactly like me. They say, oh, you know that she's Philip's daughter or she's the image of her father. Well, in the same way, these religious men should recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. Obviously, it's not a physical resemblance, but it's that Jesus shares the same attributes of God. God is wise and holy and powerful and good and true. Each of those attributes are clearly seen in Jesus Christ. But instead of worshiping Jesus as God, they hated him and they sought to kill him. Later we see when Judas was ready to betray Jesus, we read that they were glad. That is how consumed with hatred that they were. And Jesus faces that same reaction today. There are many who are opposed to Jesus. They hate him, they hate his teaching, they mock him, they become angry at the salvation that he provides. They blame Christianity for everything wrong in this world. Now, there are those who say that they respect Jesus, but when you ask what it is about Jesus that they respect, well, it resembles nothing of the Jesus in the Bible. Instead, it is a Jesus of their own making, one who is meek and mild, one who never demands anything of them, instead understands and accepts their sinfulness. Well, that is not Jesus Christ. And so as Jesus threatened the religious leaders' lives, he threatens your way of life. He threatens your religion and your pride in your accomplishments and your sinful lifestyle. Your devotion is misplaced when you put it in your religion. Well, secondly, consider you're to see that Christ is worthy of complete devotion, verses 3 to 7. So Mark contrasts these religious leaders with this woman. Well, who is this woman? Mark leaves her nameless. She would be remembered forever, but no one knows her name. However, this story is very similar to the account of, in John's Gospel of Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, washing Jesus' feet and drying them with her hair. And the woman here in Mark 14 is therefore assumed to be Mary. Simon the leper is assumed to be the father of these three siblings, and we can assume that Jesus must have healed Simon from leprosy. And so Jesus is invited as the honored guest at this meal. Well, Mary does something extraordinary during the dinner. Now, anointing a visitor into someone's home is not unusual. This was often done in a hot, dry climate where people walked everywhere. When you arrived in someone's home, there was no air conditioning to refresh you. Instead, you are refreshed by the sweet-smelling perfume to drown out the smells of body odor, to soothe your skin that was burnt by the sun, that was beaten by the wind. But Mary does something much greater. In the middle of the meal, she interrupts by bringing this alabaster flask or this jar of expensive oil. And this is no ordinary oil. This is pure nard that has come all the way from India. And this oil costs 300 denarii year's wages. And she broke the flask 
and poured it on Jesus' head. Even breaking the flask, that suggests there's no going back. She was not going to simply pour half of the jar on Jesus. No, he was getting the whole thing. Why did she do this? Well, it was out of her devotion to Jesus. Hughes writes, we can assume that due to the intensity of her devotional focus upon Christ, she had given no thought as to what others would think of her actions. Well, these others did have an opinion. We read that they were indignant of her, meaning they rebuked her. They thought she was a foolish woman for doing such a thing. What a waste. In John's gospel, we see exactly who it was who thought that this was a needless extravagance. It was Judas Iscariot. He did not appreciate her devotion to Jesus. And we'll consider that more later. However, Jesus did not think that this was a waste. He protects Mary. He tells his disciples to leave her alone. Stop troubling her. She has done a good work for me. In other translations, she has done a beautiful thing for me. Jesus sees her devotion as something beautiful. Judas and the other disciples, they saw it as a waste. And it's clear what Mary valued most in her life. She gave up the most precious thing that she owned, this jar full of perfume. This would have been her rainy day fund, an heirloom that she was only to use if she ever found herself destitute. This was her insurance. This was her protection. It was her future security. And yet she gave it all to Christ. For she's seen in him that he is her future security. Jesus said she did what she could. And Jesus is not minimizing what she did. No, he means she gave everything to him in her devotion. She held nothing back. Are you likewise doing all that you can in your devotion to Christ? This is most clearly seen as we come to worship him each Lord's day. Leon Morris writes, true worship is at a cost. This is something that still needs to be learned on a day when men and women take church going lightly, when they will go to church only if it is easy, if the church is near, if the preacher is approved, if the weather isn't bad if friends haven't dropped in for a visit, and if 101 other things haven't stopped them. If worship means a real effort, then men and women today are often disinclined to make it. Well, I'm very thankful to be part of a church that is devoted to the worship of God. You take worshiping God seriously. I've seen in your attendance, both at the morning and evening services, you're committed, even if it is costly. Even if it requires effort, you are devoted to Christ. Mary sacrificed a lot in her devotion, even willing to do this beautiful thing in the midst of this group of men who mocked her, who embarrassed her by their criticisms. Well, how much does your devotion cost you? Well, it's evident in your financial giving. The other week, we rose a substantial amount of money for a love offering. And what impressed me most was how I received money from one of the young people in this church. I know that costed her more than it costed all the rest of us. But devotion is not simply financially. 
Devotion can cost you your social standing. What do your friends and your family think of you? Are you willing to hold to views that society has rejected? And so as a result, will reject you. Are you ready to face the costs of being seen as radical or fundamental because you're willing to speak of your faith in Christ? You won't be silenced. Are you willing to be criticized because you're willing to turn down a prestigious corporate job because you know out of your love for Christ and his family, a job like that, it will interfere. It will jeopardize your ability to be committed to him. Well, Mary was moved by her devotion to Christ. She was the only one in the room to see Jesus in this way. She had sat at Jesus' feet. She had listened to his teaching. She had witnessed Jesus raise her brother from the dead. She knew that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. And as a result, she was not willing to play it safe. She took a big risk in doing this. Sometimes we can be guilty of playing it safe, never wanting to take too big a risk. But Jesus is worth taking risks for. This year we are sending off our first mission team. I know that there are others who have been involved in missions, but we're sending off our first mission team from this church. There are five of us, but I hope this won't be a one-off. I hope we can do it again next year, but with double the people on the team. I hope and pray that there will be people in this church who would be willing to risk all by going on the mission field long term. That there will be folk here who would be willing to be a witness for Christ at IU or at their workplace. I hope there are folk here who are willing to faithfully pray for God to be lifted high here in Bloomington, even when it seems the opposite is happening. You cannot love God too much. You cannot be too extravagant in your love for Christ. McCoy says, true discipleship is costly because the Lord we worship is worthy of our very best. Sometimes we need to stand out from the crowd, even in church, to give Christ our all when more cynical observers see wholehearted discipleship as too radical. So Christ is worthy of our complete devotion. Well, thirdly, your devotion to the poor should not surpass your devotion to Christ. Surely the disciples are right. This money could have been better spent on the poor. This jar worth a year's wages. This could have fed thousands of hungry people. It could have given beds to hundreds of homeless people. This money could have been used to educate or provide jobs so the poor could then support themselves. Isn't Jesus being harsh on the poor, saying that they're always with us? Well, Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy 15:11, where we read, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. So Moses is saying there will always be poverty, and you are to take care of them. Yes, there will always be the poor. But Jesus also instructs us to take care of the poor. Matthew 10, he says, Whoever gives one of these little ones one, uh, only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And so this reference to uh, giving to the poor is a bit of a red herring. 
Their criticism demonstrated that they felt the poor were more deserving of this bottle of perfume than Jesus Christ. And so what they have done was that they elevated the poor over Christ, that works of charity are more worthy than Jesus Christ. And sometimes we hear of that today. Churches decide not to meet to worship God. Instead, on that Sunday, they do a service project. They serve food at a soup kitchen, or they paint a community room for our children. And while these are worthwhile endeavors, they do not surpass our devotion to Christ, and therefore the priority of meeting together to worship him. Jesus doesn't see what Mary had done as inappropriate. He recognizes that he is worth every penny of Mary's sacrifice. He is deserving of all of her devotion. Well, Jesus, who is God, can only say something like that. And since Jesus is God, he is worthy of receiving our devotion and completion. Well, fourthly, you're not to be devoted to money, verses 10 and 11. So in comparison to what Mary did, we see the actions of Judas. Mark wants us to see Judas's actions against the backdrop of Mary's devotion. So after spending three years with Jesus, Judas is now completely disillusioned with him. He thought that by throwing his lot in with Jesus, he would know success. He would know blessing in his life. He thought that Jesus would further his own goals. But now he feels that Jesus is on this suicide mission. And Judas criticizes this woman for her reckless use of money and pouring a year's wages on Jesus. And then Jesus, he doesn't recognize that it's a waste. He actually commands Mary for it. And this event is seen to be the catalyst for pushing Judas over the edge. For Judas is a money man. Money is his language. And so he thought that Jesus had no appreciation for what this perfume was worth. In actual fact, it's Judas who has no appreciation for what Jesus is worth. Mary's devotion made him uncomfortable, for it it exposed how little he valued Jesus. Ferguson writes, The one thing he could not tolerate apparently was such wholehearted devotion to Jesus, which had no other motive than love for him. And so money is Judas's snare. He betrayed Jesus over money, over 30 pieces of silver, and he would forevermore be known as a traitor. Would you betray Jesus for money? What is your price? And so we need to take heed from Judas lest we too fall How we use our money shows how much Jesus means to us. Do you see money as your savior? Or do you see Jesus as your savior? And so you should be willing to waste your money if it means giving it to Christ. If you are a professional of some kind and you're paid hundreds of dollars per hour, are you willing to set aside those hours of work and instead do the hours of work to prepare a Sunday school lesson for the children and receive no financial payment? If you're setting up a will, are you willing to give your money to help missionaries bring the gospel to the unreached? Are you willing to forgo a fancy holiday, five-star treatment, so you can give to see Jesus' name lifted high 
by supporting a young person going on their first mission trip? Are you willing to use your money for the cause of Christ? Judas would say no to each of these examples. He would say, that's a waste. But Jesus sees it as a beautiful thing when you devote your money to him. Well, then finally, you are to see Christ's devotion to you, verses 8 and 9. You're to see Christ's devotion to you. Guided by the Holy Spirit, Mary was preparing Jesus for the final part of his ministry. Although Jesus had prophesied many times that he was coming up to Jerusalem to die, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was doing. But maybe Mary did. She may well have understood that this dinner in her house would have been one of the last dinners she would have with Jesus. That's why she saw this as the opportune time to show her devotion by pouring this oil onto Jesus' head. Jesus certainly saw Mary's act as significant. He says, she has anointed my body for burial. So it's no accident what Mary did. Her pouring off this precious oil was in itself a prophecy. She was preparing his body for burial. And when Jesus did die, In the hurry to bury Jesus before the Sabbath, he was placed in the tomb before the woman could anoint his body. But Mary had already done it. And so the opening of chapter 14 of Mark's gospel is the beginning of a new section in this gospel account known as the Passion. Here we would see the climax of Jesus' ministry, his death on the cross, and then the resurrection. This he did to rescue his people. And so as Mary poured out all her life savings on Jesus, Jesus poured out his very life for us. He held nothing back. Mary was willing to make a spectacle of herself. Jesus was lifted up on a cross to be mocked and despised by his enemies. Mary did what she could. Jesus did what he could Only Jesus could do what he did. Only he can save you from your sin by taking its punishment on himself. Only his sacrifice is acceptable. His righteousness is what made his work acceptable to God. Your response should be that of devotion, for he has devoted himself to you. He has given his very life for you. Mary's devotion would be remembered as a memorial as a memorial to her. Jesus' devotion would be remembered for all who place their trust in him with no salvation. McLaren writes, The fragrance was soon dissipated in the scentless air, but the deed smells sweet and blossoms forever. And so Jesus' offering, it continues to give a sweet-smelling aroma. Even today, for he continues to be our salvation. So recognize Jesus' devotion to you, a greater devotion than even Mary's costly devotion. And so you are to be devoted to Christ and not to this world, for Christ is devoted to you. Well, yesterday was the coronation of King Charles III, and there was some controversy over a change that was made to the coronation ceremony. Normally, an oath of allegiance or homage to the king is made by the peers, and the peers are those who hold position in the House of Lords in Parliament. 
Well, the change was, instead of homage by the peers, it would be homage by the people. And it was seen to democratize the event by allowing all people to take part. And so from the comfort of your own home, your call to pledge your allegiance to the new king. And yet this proved not to be very popular with the people. People, they were not comfortable in pledging their allegiance to a king and to his heirs and his successors. And who can blame them? We don't know what Charles will be like as king. We don't know what he will do for the people. And considering that Andrew and Harry are both heirs and successors to the throne, it felt too much by many to pledge allegiance. And so the Archbishop of Canterbury had to tone down the word saying, it's simply an invitation rather than a demand or an expectation. Well, how much different is it in swearing your allegiance, not to King Charles, but to King Jesus. You know of his devotion to you. And so it is right for you to respond with your complete devotion to him. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful thing that Mary did for Jesus. And we pray, Lord, you would help us to live lives devoted to you that we would not be devoted to a mindless and heartless religion of going through the motions, but instead that we would be engaged. Help us, Lord, never to be devoted to money or to the things of this world. Protect us, Lord, from falling like Judas, and instead remind us afresh of Christ's devotion to us in rescuing us from our sin so that we could be acceptable to you in him. And so help us in response to devote our lives to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close our service singing Psalm 118e. Psalm 118e, this is the psalm of thanksgiving. The psalmist is thankful for his Savior. And likewise, let us give thanks to Jesus Christ. Let us show our devotion as we stand and sing this psalm. <laughs>